And uh, we're so Im- impressed with what we want to say today, that what, how we, important we believe this is today. Uh, we decided not to carry the children up. We want to keep workers down. We want everybody to sit and listen today. And uh, so with that in mind, uh, we will have our children down. We're going to try to do our best to keep them a little bit lower key than they're normally used to. Um, bear with us if they get a little bit wound up. Uh, we're going to work on that. And uh, we're also not going to be long today because of that. Because I want to just share with you kind of what I believe God has laid on my heart. Pastor Mark and I have been praying for months now and uh, working on some things. And you have already seen the beginnings of some of this this, this month. We've already begun to kind of layer some of this into what we're doing. Um, we just really believe that God wants us to take a step back, not a step backwards, but a step back, a, a, maybe a, a step down, where we just stop and reflect and think about what we're doing and why we're doing it and how we can follow God more completely in 2020 in each individual life. Listen, I'll be honest with you. I would love for our church to be overflowing today. I would love for all these chairs to be full and us to have to pull chairs in. That that would thrill my heart. But let me tell you what will thrill my heart more. If the people sitting in the chairs today, at the end of the year, will have drawn closer to God, deeper in their walk, deeper in their faith, more committed to serving Him and His church in 2021. Because if we'll do this, God will take care of adding to. In in Acts chapter number 2, I believe it is, it's 1 or 2, where the church is beginning, the church is starting. And the Bible tells us that in the very beginning that the church exploded. Peter preached and over 5,000 came to Christ. But if you read the language there, it says, The Lord added unto them such as should be saved. God's going to grow the church. I'm not going to worry about growing the church. I'm going to worry about growing the individual because that's what God's called me to do. God has empowered and impressed two pastors in this church that our role, our job, is to grow you in your faith, to equip you as saints of God. And so we're going to work on that this year. Part of what we want to do is we want to really make us begin to think about what it means to be the church with that in mind i got a little video i want to show you for a few minutes Uh, this is a video actually it was written towards pastors it's spoken towards pastors it's a part of a a pastor's group of network of, of people and it's really talking to pastors but it so applies to the church and i think it so applies to us today so i want you to listen for a few minutes um and can you catch the lights over there for ben and we're going we're gonna to watch this three or four minutes long. The church. The church is the only community that will go on into eternity. Did you realize that? The church was commissioned by Jesus, created by the first apostles, empowered by the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 12, we have this wonderful and beautiful vision of the church that is both macro and universal and micro and local. 
The Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is part of it. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are a part of the body of Christ. Now it's interesting because if you ask a hundred pastors for their definition of what the church is, you will get a hundred different answers. And as our culture shifts and, and technologies empower us and new communication forms emerge, this question of exactly what is the church is an important one. I mean, is a house church a church? Is an online church where it's only gathering on, in chat rooms and online worship services, is that a church? It is the group that meets on Saturday morning at the coffee shop, reading scripture, praying together, and then going out and serving the homeless, are they a church? Is the gathering a church just because we call it a church? It's interesting as well because God has never put a definition of the church in our Bibles. And while he's not been proscriptive of that, there are descriptions of the church that we must recognize and honor lest we invent our own definitions of the church because it's important for us to understand what is the church. Here are some questions to help you decide on a minimal ecclesiology and it's grounded in history and God's word. Biblical instruction. What does the Bible actually say about the church? Biblical example. What practices are at play that can help us better understand the church. Church fathers, what are the teachings and the practices of the early church and what did the early church fathers write about the church? Cultural sensitivity, how can we be sensitive to different cultural contexts and language and people groups without compromising core biblical truths and teachings and intentions? And, and so as you look at these four considerations, your ecclesiology will begin to emerge and baseline doctrines and practices and governances will be clear to you. And remember, doctrines are just really the essential beliefs of the church and the functions. You got to ask, what are the essential functions or practices of the church and governance? Really, what are the essential structures and leadership paradigms and accountability paradigms that are in the church. And I really want you to wrestle with this one, what is the church, because it's an important question, but I don't want you to get stuck in it either. Because the work that you do in defining the church defines the community where we will find the body of Christ. And here's why that's important to this conversation about better together. I know, and you know, way too many leaders, particularly pastors, who are leading churches, but they're not part of those churches. They're isolated. They're secluded. They're lonely. And they only, only mimic at what is happening across the West in terms of isolation and loneliness. A poll that I read recently said that Americans, 35% of Americans admit to being lonely. And here's the deal. God is calling us to live a different way in community, in the church. Back to the very beginning of creation and the beginning of church, Scripture reminds us that we are better together. And as church...
Scripture reminds us that we are better together. What does better together mean for us? Boys, in the chairs. Thank you. What does better together mean for us? What is the, the functional production of the church at Fresh Start Fellowship? What does it mean for us? What are the doctrines? What are the things that we hold to be truth that we will not sacrifice for the church? See, it doesn't matter what I hold if you don't hold it too. If you don't believe what I believe, if it doesn't affect how you do daily life, then it's kind of irrelevant. All right, boys, listen to me. Stop. Now, stop. Just a minute. Stop. 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 Sit. No more going back to the nursery. No more coming back out here. We're going to stay out here today. Sit. Sit. You can color, but we're going to stop. No more running back. Got it? Thank you. That's one of the things we're going to do. Right there, and I'm not picking, that's not Jamie's kids, she knows, we talk. We're going to talk and train and teach what it means to be in church. We have been very lax in this church. We are a very lax church. I am a very lax individual. And that's great. I am lax. I have not thrown rocks at candy all year. It's still early. It's still January. First time I picked on her all year. But you know what? I think we've done a disservice to some of our kids and some of our families. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about it today a little bit. I, I, look, I don't want to become so caught up in being like every other church in the, in the community. God's called us to be us. I'm never going to wear a coat and tie unless it's a funeral or a wedding. And I do that out of respect to the people. Of the, if they tell me I don't need to wear a coat and tie, I don't wear a coat and tie to a funeral and a wedding. I'm who I am. I expect you to be who you are. If a coat and tie works for you, wear a coat and tie. If a tux works for you, wear a tux. You know, if, if, if jeans and a shirt are uncomfortable to you and, and shorts and flip-flops work, wear shorts and flip-flops, but be respectful in what you're doing if it's you. Back to where we were. Doctrines. What do we believe? Well, we've set a verse for our focus for this year. It's, it's our memory verse for January. Anybody tell me where we can find that memory verse in Scripture? What book and chapter and verse? Mark 12.30. Anybody, I want you to see a hand this time. Anybody tell me what it says? Mark 12.30. Let's say I'm going to see some hands. See, if you know it, raise your hand. Okay, so we got three or four. Any of y'all like to quote it for me? Jamie? You're cheating. She's got her cheater out. She's got the one that we gave the kids. I'm not going to let you cheat. Jenny? 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. You know how I learned it? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. That's the way I learned it. That's going to be the key verse for our church this year. It's also memory verse for January. We're going to add 11 more memory verses this year. Now, here's what I just saw. I saw four people that said, I know that verse. We've had four weeks. We've talked about that verse. We've had three of those four weeks. We've gone over the verse in church. Does Scripture matter to you? Does the Word of God make a difference in your life? Scripture matters to me. We preach and teach from the Word of God. I don't tell you my opinions. It doesn't matter what I think. Unless what I think is in agreement with the Word of God. Doctrine. Is the doctrine of the Word of God going to move you this year and direct your life? If it is, then you're going to need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, because it's going to take every bit of that. It's going to take the passion of your heart. It's going to take the incarnation of Jesus Christ in your soul. You can't love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength if you're not born again by the Spirit of God. It's impossible. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. It's going to take all of your rational thinking, your determined thought. It's going to take all of your strength to love God this year and follow Him. The only way you're going to do that is through the Scriptures. We believe in Scripture here. We believe in worship. We believe that we ought to gather together on the first day of the week to remember the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Savior. That's what we're doing here today. We're remembering that Jesus Christ went to the cross over 2,000 years ago, that He died on that cross as a sacrifice for all of mankind, for all that would give their heart and life to Him, that He would redeem them and make them His own. And then they would gather together on a weekly basis, and they would remember that resurrection and what it has done for them, how it has changed them, how it has moved them to be different than they were. It has transformed them, metamorphosed, changed from a caterpillar to a butterfly. That's the word. It's a metamorphosis. There's been an internal change that has come over you if you've been born again by the Spirit of God. And if you have, you ought to be different. All those, the Scripture tell us that all those that come to Him are now different. All things are become new. The old has passed away. That's a part of what we believe. We believe in worship. Listen, I'll be honest with you. If you've never heard me say this, I'll say this today. I, I think I've said it many times, but maybe you've never heard it. While I love for lost people to come and visit us on Sundays, and I encourage you to invite the lost, that's not what this is for. We're not here for the lost. We're not here for the unredeemed. We're here to be the body of Christ gathered together to be strengthened, to be encouraged, to be taught, to be 
healed and bound up from our wounds and battles in the world as we've been in this week so that we as the sheep of God can leave this place and go and share the gospel and birth other sheep into the world. We're to be the birthing agents bringing life into the lost. We're the church. The church is not something that is just a building. The church is each individual one of us. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the gentleman was talking about it earlier. 1 Corinthians 12 tells us that we're individually the body of Christ. You're Jesus. I'm Jesus. We're the building of Christ. We're the, we're the blocks put together. Some of you guys are doorposts, and some of you guys are windows, and some of you guys are foundation, and some of you guys are different parts of the building of the body of Christ. Do you know what your part is? Do you know how you fit? Or is church just something you get up and do on Sunday? We want you to think about it this week. I want you to think about it this month. I want you to think about it this year. How am I the church? How do I fit into this complex group of people and be the church? Because, listen, every one of these green seats that we see here today empty, that somebody that is a part of this body that's not here today, that's an empty spot in the body. We're weaker in those places. And they're weaker because they're not here with us. We're better together. It's the way God designed us. It's the way God designed us. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means God's called me to lead, to give some direction. You've appointed me in that position as the church. But it doesn't mean I come up with all the ideas. For the last 10 years, I've pretty much come up with all the ideas. How's that working? Not so well, is it? So I need you guys to impart and put in and be a part of what we're doing. In fact, um, Thomas, you got the ushers? Are they ready? Have they got their, the slips? Um, if Ushers, if you would, there's a slip of paper like this that, that you've been given. If you will pass this out to every adult and teen in the room, I would appreciate that. I've got some questions for you today. I need some help today. And so we're going to pass these out, and I'm going to talk about them a little bit. I want you to take some time and write on them today. I'm going to give you a chance and, and give you a couple of minutes. We're going to talk about what we're doing and why we're doing it. This is some input that you can give your pastoral staff how we can help you. How we can, how we can impart into your life what it is you need. We talk about the practices of the church, not just the doctrine, but how do we do what we do based on what we believe. So question number one says, what subject matter are you interested in knowing about? What do you want to know? What do you want to know for your life from Scripture? What topic are you struggling with? Maybe it's, maybe it's something about family dynamics. We've got 
several young families here. Maybe you want to know, how do we do family life the way God wants us to? Maybe you're a young mom. Maybe, maybe you're a grandparent and you're wondering, how, how do I grandparent? How do I, how do I have a, 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 an effective relationship with my adult children? Nobody ever talks about how we do that. Scripture does. Maybe that's something you're interested in. Not, maybe just about your Christian walk. How do I pray more? How do I get into the Scripture more? How do I begin to do a Bible study with my family? I, a lot of these things that I'm coming up with are things that I've seen in prayer requests from you guys over a period of time. What, what is it that you want to know about? Then, help us. And I'm, I'm being really transparent today. Help us to know when you want it. What kind of format do you want it to take? Do you want it to be a Sunday morning series? Because Sunday's when you're going to be here. Do you want to do a Bible study? Maybe a Tuesday morning like we do with our senior adults or a Wednesday night with our adults, teens, and children. Doesn't do a whole lot of good to do a Tuesday morning Bible study on a subject that you're not going to come to. Or a Wednesday night that you're not going to come to. Maybe you want to do a... Maybe it's something that wouldn't be a whole series, but it's something you'd be willing to come out maybe once a quarter or once a month to a two or three hour Saturday morning Bible study where you would say, we're going we're gonna to tackle uh, a, a, a subject and we're going to take two or three hours and we're going to talk about it together. We're going to work through what Scripture says about it. Maybe there's some other thing that you can think of that would, you would come to you would, you'd say, you know what? I will come and do that. Remember, you're the body. I'm the body. doesn't do any good for us to say we're going to do this stuff if you're not going to come. And it doesn't do any good for you to say you're going to come if, if you're not going to come or if it's not convenient to your life. And I don't mean that to be convenient in the sense of, oh, well, I decided I'd get up today and I don't want to go. Not that kind of convenient. I'm talking about it fits within the pattern of your working it in your life. Maybe you're off in the evenings, and the evening is a time you can give. Maybe you're off during the day, and the day is a time you can give. Maybe there's a specific day you can give. See, I'll be honest with you. I expect you to be here on Sunday morning because the Word of God tells us to gather together on Sunday. We're better together. Let me give you a scripture for that. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. I want you to listen to this passage. Paul, or I say Paul, I believe Paul wrote Hebrews, but there's no significance to that. I can't prove it. The writer of Hebrews said, let us hold on. Let us grab a hold. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope. That thing that we say we have hope in. Let us hold on to that without wavering. Why? For he who is promised is faithful. God said he would be with us. He would take care of it. He would guide us. He would direct us. He would lead us. And let us be concerned about one another in order to promote love and good works. Love is a, an emotional attachment. But it also says good works. That emotional attachment to one another ought to do something. 
It ought to impact what we do and how we do it. Let us be concerned about one another in order to promote love and good works. Notice what he says after that. Listen to how he defines that. Not staying away from our worship meetings as some habitually do. Evidently, in the first century, Paul had problems getting people to come to church because some people didn't show up on a regular basis. But he said, don't let that be your choice. Let us, and, and then the way the sentence structure breaks, let me take that out. That's kind of a parenthesis. So he says, let us be concerned about one another in order to promote loving good works and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So what he's saying to the church there is this. You have a choice. It's your choice. What you want to do. But I encourage you to choose to come together. To give your time. To give your effort. To support the body of Christ, which you are part of. The church. It's not just a group of people meeting together on Sunday mornings. We are the body of Christ together. We are better together. I'm more effective with you. You're more effective with me. But I'm less effective without you. I ain't going to lie to you. Some of those Sundays back in December, at the end of the year when the holidays were here and everything was turned upside down and, and other things in life got in the way of Sunday morning, it was a little discouraging to be standing here with six and eight people when the service started. Now, some of y'all dragged in, but we had a couple of services. We had one service. We actually took the group and went in the fellowship hall and sat around the tables for a few minutes because there was just a few of us. Now, I'm not scolding you. Honestly, I'm not. I'm telling you we're better together. And if you love the Lord your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, if He is the most important part of your life, this will matter to you. Some gives and gets. Number three. Where do you need to receive? Where can you serve? What are you going to get? What are you going to give? We've got some ministries that you can be a part of. We have a, a women's ministry that's been effective and active in this church for the 10 years I've been here. And it's transitioning right now. It's a perfect time for you to get part, ladies. If you're a lady in this church, if you're over 18 and you're under 102, got to make sure I get Miss Rachel in there. If you're over 18 and under 102, you can be involved. There's some place for you to serve. You say, well, they meet on Monday mornings or Tuesday mornings in the middle of the week. I can't do that. Well, guess what? They're getting ready to change all that. 
They're going to move it around to where they can meet once a quarter on a Saturday, once a quarter in the evening, once a quarter in the morning. That means that some of our younger ladies can come and participate. That means if you don't come and participate, what you're saying is, it doesn't matter to me. It means that some of our younger ladies for the nighttime meetings might need to pick up some of our senior ladies and get them back and forth because they can't drive at night. It might mean that y'all, some of our senior ladies need to figure out how to turn loose the reins and let some of our younger ladies take the lead. And here's what I know. Most of the senior ladies are like, take the reins, please. I don't know what your role would be, but here's what I know. You're better when you come together, ladies. You make a difference. Here's how I know that. Here's what the Word of God tells us. The Word of God tells us that the older women in the church ought to be ministering to the younger women in the church. Why? Because they've been there and done that. They need to help nurture and guard and guide the younger women. You say, well, you know, where do I fit in that? I promise you, you're not the oldest woman in the room unless you're Miss Rachel. So Miss Rachel can say, she can say something, she can speak into all of your lives if you'll listen. You're not the youngest lady in the room unless you're Savannah. But I got news for you. Savannah can speak into your life if you'll listen. She has some perspective to the world around us that you have no clue of today. It can help you when you're dealing with younger women. Men, we're getting ready to kick off a brand new men's ministry. Segue to Brother Scott and his commercial. Brother Scott, share with us what's coming up. Well, thank you, Pastor Steve. There you go. Amen. Saturday morning, nine o'clock, guys. Be here. Oh yeah, we're having breakfast. That'll that'll bring that'll bring some guys. Saturday morning, 9 o'clock. Sunday night, we're doing a church event 
for the first half of the Super Bowl. Come out, eat some chili and some soup. Sign up on the back table back there to bring some goodies. We're going to put the ball game on the on the big screen up here. We're going to hang out together. We're just going to fellowship. We're going to hang out. We're going to eat. We're going to enjoy being in one another's company, getting to know one another. Maybe somebody will come you don't know real well, and you can sit at the table and get to know them a little bit. You say, well, I really want to know them. Too bad. You need to. You need to. That will be at 6 o'clock. Sunday night, 6 o'clock. The game starts at 6.30, from what I understand. So we'll, uh, we won't be watching the pregame stuff, but we'll be eating the pregame, so, which we do that well. So look, come and be a part of it, guys. Listen to me. Men, you need to invest in your life. Men, we are better together, regardless of what we think. Because most of us think we're better by ourselves. But we're not, not according to the Word of God. Because the Word of God also tells us that older men should be teaching younger men. And younger men should be carrying a load for the body of Christ. You know what I see in most churches? Women carrying the load. You know how I know that? Because we've got an area of place that you can serve that very few men ever think about. We've got teens and children in this church that need men to show them what it means to be a man of God. Do you know that we have more boys in our children's department than we have girls? You know how hard it is for the women upstairs when all these boys are up there? Let a man walk in the room and it changes things. These three are paying attention because the pastor, a man, said, pay attention or you're going to have to answer to me. Now, y'all all know that their mama tells them the same thing. But somehow they don't listen to mama like they used to. And guess what? It's the same way in your family as well. Men, let me, I, let, let me just be real, real blunt with you. If you have children in our church, you ought to be serving in our children's ministry. Men and women. You ought to pick a Sunday and you ought to go up there and you ought to serve. You ought to pick a Wednesday night and you ought to show up and you ought to serve. In fact, I'm not going to say you ought to because that gives you a little bit of room out. If you don't, I'm going to come look at you in your face and say, why aren't you serving? These are your kids. If you won't serve them upstairs, why should we? If you've got grandkids in this church and you can serve, you ought to be serving upstairs. If you have a teen in this church, you ought to be serving on Wednesday night every now and then. You ought to be at Mark's house every now and then on a Sunday night. If you have grandkids that are teens, you ought to be serving on a Wednesday night with Mark. You ought to be on a Sunday night over at Mark's. You know how serious I am about that? I told him yesterday, let me know I'm going to start serving. Let me know. I'm going to come and I'm going to serve because shortly I'm going to be having grandkids in there. I got a grandson that won't be too many more years. He'll be in there. My wife serves every month. Sometimes more than once a month because we don't have anybody else to serve 
upstairs with the children. Why? Because I got grandkids up there. We're the body. Listen, folks, I'm just telling you, we're the body. If you're not going to serve your own, I'm not going to beg you. I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're just going to bring them down here and keep them with us down here. I'm okay with that. I grew up that way. Didn't kill me. It might kill you. (laughs) But what that means, listen to what that means. Now, listen, parents, listen to me. Parents, grandparents, people who are who are close to families. We got some folks that are, that are like grandparents to some of these kids around here. That means we need you to help us with your children. I know the heart of the parents in this church. I mean, I know you guys well. Some of you are my own. And I know what it would do to your heart if you ever thought that because of the way your children behaved during a service that a guest wouldn't come back. And I can't tell you that that's ever happened because I don't know. I'm not saying that's ever happened. But I'm saying that I know for a fact that some of us have been distracted during worship and during preaching because our children are acting less than they should. They're distracted. Now look, kids are kids. I expect kids to be kids. I expect them to age-appropriate behavior. But here's what I know about age-appropriate behavior. The ones that go to school don't act the way they act in church at school because if they did, you'd get a lot of phone calls. I know that they don't act the way that they act sometimes here in other places because you'd kill them and I'd be called by the police. And I'm not saying we're not going to let our kids be kids. Uh, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. As soon as the service is over, what should not happen is our children shouldn't shouldn't start running through here like this is a playground because we got 91-year-old people, we got 101-year-old people, we got some people that are 60-something that still hobble. The kids are going to want to run. Whose responsibility is to see that they don't? Ours, the adults. That means if you see a child running and their parent's not standing right there, you need to step up and say, hey, hey, stop. I'm giving you permission to do that. If their parents don't like it, they can come see me. Why? Because it matters, folks. Now, again, I'm not saying we don't let the kids be kids. When there's three people standing in the building and the kids want to run around like crazy, I don't care. I mean, I'm not a stick in the mud. I care about us presenting something to someone that maybe comes in for the first or second time that's not going to distract them. Let let me tell you what I know. I'm not easily distracted. Some of y'all will attest to the fact you've tried to get my attention during a service. Ben has flashed stuff on the screen for me before and I haven't seen it. I get focused. I'm focused. But there are times when I've been up here And I've totally and completely lost my train of thought, lost the words on a song, had no idea what was going on because something distracted me. 
And typically, what that is, is somebody up and down moving, running around. Not always children, by the way. We've had some adults do the same thing and distract me. Now, if that distracts me, if that distracts me, who is hard to distract, what does it do to somebody else that's trying to worship in the pew? Somebody's trying to stay focused. Somebody that the Word of God is speaking to, don't you think the enemy would use that? I guarantee you he would. It matters. It matters. Teens and children, you can serve. You should serve. If you don't serve, I'm going to come look at you and say, why aren't you serving? Because they're your kids. Listen, there's other places we can serve in a community. Things that you can get something out of. We got Lake Area Ministries. We serve once a month right now. We probably could serve twice a month. We probably got enough people that we could put together two teams. But, you know, once a month is fine right now. But if you want to know how, how much that, how enjoyable that is, talk to people like Danielle and Judy and Tom and Linda and my wife. And I don't know, there's probably other people I'm missing. Who else am I missing? Jenny. Um, these folks have all served down there. It's a couple of hours once a month, three or four hours once a month during the day if you're free on a day that they tell you a month in advance when you're going to be there. And you're serving the community. And from what I hear, and I say what I hear because every time I go down there, they run me off. But from what I hear, they have a blast down there. They enjoy the fellowship together. And you're serving our community. You, you can serve through Answers. Jenny works at Answers. Mark um, serves at Answers. Uh, he, he does their Bible studies every week. Shannon now is employed at Answers. We have several folks that work down there. I guarantee you, ladies, they would love to have you come in and, and do some help. I mean, you may not be one of those front people. You may be a behind-the-scenes person. Um, guys, there's probably things we could do at their facility that would help them. I don't know. Pray about it. If God speaks to you, go talk to Joanna. I'm just saying there's somebody we have, we have School system. What's, what's that called, Mark, that they do now? The trading post. Every day from what time? 10 to 1.30. Every day from 10 to 1.30, they have a thing called the trading post that they open up at the high school. And kids can come in and they, and they get Indian bucks, these little things from the teachers where they can buy soda or whatever. But there's also... A lot of things like deodorant and things that kids can get that maybe they're not getting at home that they can. Let me tell you what, what's the cool part about it. They let, our youth, get, they let our youth pastor come in and hang out and talk to kids all day long if he wants to. He can go sit down there every day if he wants to and talk to kids and get to know kids and have a relationship with kids. And, and we used to have to beg to let us go down and talk to kids. Now they want us to come. Guess what? You could go be a part of that if you wanted to. You can go sit down there and get to know some kids. And who knows what kind of conversations can come from that. What you will hear, what those kids need. Maybe you're thinking kids. Guess what? I guarantee you the senior center would love some help sometimes. Serving lunch, helping out, just going out and playing cards with some folks, hanging out with some of these folks. Did, did you hear what that man said earlier today? 35% of all Americans say that they're lonely. That's the ones that say it. I guarantee it's probably closer to 
They're lonely. People are hungry to have somebody pour into their life. We have people in this church that are lonely, that are hungry for fellowship with somebody. How are you going to serve and how can you be ministered to? 2 Timothy. Paul talking to Timothy. Said, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Women, just put women in there. Who are you imparting the gospel on a regular basis? Who are you imparting to the life of Christ in you on a regular basis? He goes on to say, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Hey, I'm not telling you it's a piece of cake. I'm not telling you it's rosy. I'm not telling you it's fun. I'm telling you it's for Christ Jesus. It's for the Redeemer of your soul. Keep your attention on Jesus Christ as risen from the dead. He goes on to say to Timothy, Remind them, those under your charge, charging them before God not to fight about words, but be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed, correctly teaching the word of truth. Folks, we're going to do everything we can to empower you this year to learn the Word of God. We're going to do a memory verse every month. We're going to, we're going to practice it together every Sunday morning. We're going to do the fill-in-the-blanks on the screen. We're going to do whatever it takes to help you do it, but I can't make you pour into that. We're going to give you three times a week an opportunity to do a devotion. Maybe you don't do devotions at all. Maybe you don't read the Word of God at all. Three times a week, all you have to do is pull up your phone, pull up your computer. There'll be a short passage of Scripture and two or three questions to think about. Three times a week. I'm not telling you you have to do it all three, but it'd be awesome if you did. Parents, you're struggling with what to do for a, for a Bible study for your, for your family? Three times a week. Sit down with your kids and your spouse. Open up your phone. Read the passage of Scripture together, and mom and dad talk about it. If you've got teens, talk about it. Let your kids hear you talking about the Word of God. We're going to do all we can to pour it into you. We're going to come on a Sunday morning. We're going to say, who read this week? How did it impart to you? You know what I've seen so far? Nobody's reading. I've got four or five of y'all have read. Again, I'm not picking. But let me ask you. Do me a favor. Be honest. How many people have read at least once this month? One, one devotion. At least one. Out of what we've done. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. Sixteen. Probably about half. That's great. Praise God for that. That's awesome. Can I encourage you? Try it. Why? Because I've been charged 
with developing your spiritual health. I've been charged with building up the body of Christ. We're going to do everything we can. We're going to preach things that you need. We're going to teach things that will help you that you're interested in. We're going to do all we can to give you information that's going to impact your life. But as the old adage says, you can take a horse to water, but if you stick his head under water, all you're going to do is drown him. I can't make you drink. I can only drown you. And I'm not going to drown you. I'm going to bring the water to you. But you've got to drink. We're better together. Listen to what I want for you this year. I want God so to speak in your life every week that when you walk in here on Sunday, you're not looking to receive, you're looking to give. I want you to come in here on Sunday and knowing that you can give something back. Wasn't it cool watching Jamie up here this morning leading in worship? She was scared to death. You're going to see more of it. Why? Because this isn't about me. Scott, Scott's like, yeah, I can do this, sure, okay. Hey, writing it down. Guess what? Some of y'all are going to get asked to participate. We're go- I am not into let's stand up and preach or preach and you guys listen. Oh, I'm going to preach. I promise you, and I hope you'll listen. But I'm here to build up the body of Christ. I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to bring a hammer, and I'm going to start hammering. Build your kingdom here. That's where we started this morning. You really want to build the kingdom of God? Do you really believe that God is working in you? Do you really believe that we can make a difference in Keystone Heights? I do too. I do too. But we're going to have to do it together as the body.